I had planned to preach the key to powerful ministry, and God had a different idea. So Friday I changed it. Uh, but uh, I sure did enjoy singing those songs about the power of God. What an awesome God we serve. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. When I was in college, uh, I, I met a, a young man named Charles Savell, and he became a good friend. Um, he was saved out of a family of atheists. Uh, and he became a Christian, and of course, it completely changed his perspective. Uh, the way he used to think was completely different from where, the way he began to think. And um, he was uh, praying, of course, for his family to come to Christ. But you know, God changes our perspective when we come to Christ. He also changes our perspective as we grow in our walk with Christ. Uh, the closer that you get to the Lord and the more that you learn of His Word and the more that you grow in your walk with God, uh, He will begin to change your thinking. Uh, and one scripture says, My thoughts are not as your thoughts, neither are my ways as your ways. But my ways are greater than your thoughts and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so... Uh, each of us needs God's perspective. Can I tell you something? The world has a lot of ideas about how to live life, how to do family. Uh, it even has ideas and opinions about how the church should operate. But we, as God's people, need God's perspective on these things. And uh, when you let Him work in our life and follow His will uh, so that we can find what God wants to do through us and live according to His will. Paul and, and Barnabas, along with several other uh, prophets and teachers, were, were gathered together, and they were having a time of prayer and fasting, and they were just seeking the Lord and worshiping Him. And in the middle of it, the Holy Spirit just intervened, and He said, set aside Paul and Barnabas to the work to which I've called them. And so they, they responded to the Holy Spirit, they listened, uh, they laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas and prayed for them. And then they sent them out to do the work of ministry. How significant was that moment? Paul and Barnabas had been teaching there in the church at Antioch for some time and uh, had, been, had been blessed through the ministry there and had been a blessing to the church there. But God said, look, I have a purpose for Paul and Barnabas. And I want you to set them aside. And as they did, as they followed God, they got his perspective on the situation. They sent them out, and the world has never been the same. We need God's perspective. You need God's perspective for your individual life. You need God's perspective for your family. You need God's perspective on your future. Uh, the title of my message is Getting God's Perspective. And we need to respond to God as he gives us his perspective in life and, and follow that in our lives. So how do we get the perspective about what we're to do in life? Um, we'll, we'll mention that in a moment. Look with me at verse 1 of Acts chapter 13. In the church that was at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Nisher, uh, Lucius the Syrian, uh, Cyrenian, 
uh, Manan, a close relative of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. Then after they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Getting God's perspective. How do we do that? Well, first of all, I want you to see that we need to worship. We need to worship. Verse 2 says, and they were ministering to the Lord. That word for ministering there is also used of worship. It's a special type of ministering. It's, a, it's tied to worship. It's a word that was used to describe the priests and what they would do in the Old Testament as they uh, did the, the ministering of the tabernacle. Uh, but this is a different ministry. This is a ministry to the Lord. And so they're worshiping Him and they're, they're following Him. And as they are serving Him, they could also be worshiping Him. Did you know worship is not just what we do on Sunday morning? Worship is what we do throughout the week. Uh, as we sing, we worship. As we pray, we worship. As we serve God, as unto the Lord. We were looking at a scripture this, this morning in Sunday school that said, Whatever you do, do everything with all your heart as to the Lord and not for men. And so it's, even our work can be worship uh, to God. But they were worshiping God. Their, their heart was engaged in lifting Him up. Uh, you know, oftentimes God reaches down in the middle of our worship time and speaks to our heart. I've had that happen a couple of times in, in, in my quiet time. I'll be um, maybe singing or uh, praying, and, and I'm not really seeking God's will on something, but the Holy Spirit would just, just prompt me in my life. Or maybe I'm reading the Scripture and, and, and as I worship Him by responding to Him, or maybe I, I'm reading about the awesomeness of God that we were singing about, or I begin to worship God, maybe the Spirit of God then speaks to me through His Word. But I, uh, as I worship, it, it connects me to the Lord. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. Sometimes worship is, is an attitude. Uh, it's an attitude that we have toward God. Uh, do you walk about your life with a grumbling disposition? Or do you walk about in your life with an attitude of gratefulness and praise and honor toward God? You know, you can, you can wake up. Have you ever had one of those bad hair days? You, you get up and you stub your toe in the dark and you... Uh, you step on the cat, you know, and, and whatever, you know, and, and everything just seems to be going wrong. And it's so easy to just slip into negative mode, you know, to get into a bad mood. Um, <clears throat> God wants us to have a heart of worship and gratitude toward him. And so uh, they were, that's what they were doing. They had set aside. Now, he doesn't tell us specifically what they were doing, uh, but they were worshiping God. And they were joined together in this. They had a heart to worship him. And as they had that heart of worship, God spoke into their lives. So how do you get God's perspective? We worship. Secondly, we fast. We fast. Worship and, and then fasting has probably been 
two of the things that have done more in my life to draw me closer to the Lord than anything else. Um, it's not pleasant. I like to eat. Some of you can maybe tell that a little bit, but I do. Uh, but there are those times where, where I feel led by God to draw aside, uh, and, and I will uh, go for a time without food. And it's, it's amazing. It's, it's like God just draws me closer to Him, and, and the quiet time is sweeter, and the, it just seems like I'm more connected with the Lord. And so they were doing that. Um, one scripture verse says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Sometimes we're not willing to take those steps that may seem difficult or maybe even unpleasant to follow God in obedience. But uh, as they were fasting, God spoke to their hearts. Um, I met a man in Texas uh, who had gone on a 40-day fast. Now, of course, he drank water and he drank juice, but, but he fasted from food for 40 days. Can you imagine? He said in the middle of that uh, 40 days, God began to really speak to his heart, and he laid on his heart a burden to begin to take the literature that had been used by American churches and the Bibles that had been used by, that Americans no longer wanted, and to rebind those things and to send them overseas to people in need. Uh, God laid that upon his heart, and, and they, they had a whole warehouse that they would fill up with all this stuff, and they would send it overseas. And, of course, there are many places in the world that speak English, and so these things can be a, a ministry uh, to people around the world. And God greatly used him. How, when did that happen? It happened at a time where he had set aside time to be with God. And as he fasted and as he sought the Lord, uh, God spoke into his life and said, this is what I have in mind. Let me tell you what my perspective is. And so he began to listen to the Lord, and he began to take steps of obedience, and then God began to use him in a profound way. Um, can I tell you, God will use you in a profound way. Uh, you say, well, what is define profound? Well, profound is whatever God says it is, okay? Profound is you saying yes to Jesus in whatever it is that Jesus wants you to do. Uh, sometimes the things that we don't think are that big of a deal are a very big deal in someone else's life. Uh, I can remember one time I was, uh, I had a hall pass in high school, I, you know, and, and I was walking, I don't even remember what I was doing, but I happened to come across a, a friend and um, he, he said something to me and we, we talked just, just briefly, it was about two minutes, but I, I mentioned something to him about Jesus. And Two years later, he signed my yearbook, and he said, thank you for our talks about God. I thought, you know, I, it, I abruptly forgot it. I didn't even think twice about it. But for him, it was significant. You see, we don't know what God is going to do through that simple step of obedience in our lives. Um, so... Uh, times of fasting can help us uh, to determine God's perspective in life. Now, uh, you need to understand if you've got a health issue before you fast, uh, you might uh, check with your doctor and make sure that it's safe for you to fast. Uh, if you can't fast from food, you might be able to do like a Daniel fast and eat vegetables or something like that. But 
there are different ways you can go about uh, setting aside time to meet with God, uh, but make sure that there's not a health issue there. Uh, sometimes someone might start with a day or maybe a meal, one meal, uh, of just setting aside that time you normally eat to seek the Lord. So um, as God leads you, take those times to fast and seek His perspective in your life. So how do we, how do we get God's perspective? We worship, we fast. Thirdly, we listen. This is very important. We listen. Verse 26 says, uh, excuse me, uh, verse 2, the second part says, The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. The Holy Spirit spoke to their life. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can be like Jonah, right? God says, go to Nineveh, and we, I don't want to go there. I'm going to go this way. And so we, we, we take the opposite decision. Maybe it's because of personal comfort. Maybe it's because of this is the way I've always done things, and I don't want to get out of the, the habit that I'm in. Whatever it is, we, we can come up with different excuses of why we don't want to listen to God. It is so important, if you want God's perspective on your life, that you listen to Him. Not just listening audibly, but listening with a heart of obedience. Are you willing to say to God, Lord, I choose to obey whatever it is that you would tell me to do? Um, as God uh, speaks to our lives and we're willing to follow Him, we can get His perspective on life. And that includes listening to His Word. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come out of a service and say, um, well, I know God's Word says that, but. And then they explain why they're not going to do what God's Word says. You see, listening begins with obedience to the truth that God has given us in His Word. And if we're not listening to what God has told us in His Word, why would God, when we're holding Him at arm's distance through our disobedience, speak into our lives and give us His perspective? So we've got to, be, got to have a heart of uh, willing to listen to God. And as we do, God will speak into our lives and give us his perspective. Uh, fourthly, we pray. How do you get God's perspective? We pray. Look at the first part of verse 3. Then after, again, they fasted. After they had fasted and prayed. They took steps of action. So God gives them direction. They say, okay. We've got this direction, and guess what we're going to do for you, Paul and Barnabas? We're going to fast and pray for God's blessing upon your ministry. Wouldn't that be exciting? Hey, you know, we're, we're setting this aside just for you, Paul and Barnabas. We're going to fast and pray for your ministry. Uh, and so they begin to pray and intercede for them. But, you know, I, I tend to think there was some asking going on, too. Probably Paul and Barnabas were asking. I would be. Okay. You're calling me to, you're setting me aside to your purpose. What is that purpose? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Uh, and, and, and you begin to ask these questions of God because, after all, you, you're being told you're going somewhere. You want to know the details, right? Sounds kind of familiar. You remember Abraham in the Old Testament? God said, go to a land I'll show you. 
Where am I going? Well, God says, I'm not telling you that yet, but I'm telling you to go. <laughs> you be obedient. You go where I tell you to go. Uh, so I would imagine there was some prayer going on, and, and if you read on uh, in chapter 13, you see that God gave them that direction. He did lead them to the specific place they were supposed to go and several places along the way that they were supposed to go. Uh, but it begins in prayer. Sometimes asking God is a great way to start. Lord, what, what area of ministry did you have me to serve? Um, there are things that we do in the church that needs to be met, and God may lead us to do those things. Then there are those, those things that God has specifically set us apart to do. Did you know God designed you? you you're not an accident. I know that's what the evolutionists say, is that you're an accident. But it's not true. God designed you. He knit you together in, his mother's, in your mother's womb so that you could fulfill his purpose. Is that not an awesome thing to think about? God designed you. Um, I saw a commercial this past week for the new, uh, new Mustang. I was talking to Joe Dew about it. I told him it almost made me backslide, go to the dark side, and buy a Ford. And uh, he, he laughed and said, he always has a remark. But uh, uh, anyway, I saw this thing. And this Mustang, it was sweet. It, it looked good. It designed, I mean, it was designed to go. I could almost feel the testosterone pumping in my veins when I saw that thing. I was ready to hit the gas and burn some rubber. Uh, teenagers don't listen to that. Uh, but uh, but that's, that's where I was. And I, I saw that it had been designed for a purpose, Right? You're designed for God's purpose. He has custom made you and equipped you, if you're a child of God, for his purpose. So uh, get his perspective on what you're to do in life. Ask God, how should I spend my time in service for you? Uh, there may be some things that you do uh, just to show your love for God, and you, you do because there's a need. But there should be an area of service that God leads you to. And you may even have to, to try a few different things first before you find your niche. But you find that place that God has for you and you minister and let God use you. And God will make a difference through your life. I think of, uh, of uh, Jesus Christ. He came to this earth and he invested his life in 12 men. Now, I know there were crowds and there, was, there were other disciples, but primarily in 12 men. And if you were to look at his life, not knowing the history of what happened after Jesus uh, left this earth, you might conclude that his work and his ministry were a failure. But that would be the wrong conclusion. Jesus, in, in, in investing his life in these 12 men says to them in the book of John, you will do greater works than I've done. It's exciting to me to think about what God will do through the faithfulness of his people in small things. Those of you who teach children and you invest your life in these kids in our church, in these teenagers in our church, what seeds are you planting? What is God using you to do in the lives of those teenagers? And who knows what we might have a Billy Graham coming to this place. We don't know. But 
when you begin to think in terms of that investment that we make in the things of God and what will come as a result of that, it's an amazing thought to think about. But God has given each of us his, his role, specific role, in his grand plan and design for his church. D.L. Moody's Sunday school teacher felt a burden for a young man coming to a Sunday school named D.L. Moody. And so he went to the shoe store where he worked, and he told him about Jesus. And I want to tell you something. Two continents were changed because of that Sunday school teacher's obedience. Listen, don't underestimate your faithfulness to God. Some of you are here every Sunday. You're committed to the Lord. You're doing the work of God. Praise God for you. Don't underestimate your faithfulness to God. God can use you in a profound way. So uh, listen to him. Pray to him uh, for that direction in your life. Uh, So how do you get God's perspective? You worship, you, you fast, you listen, you pray. And finally, we sin. We sin. Sometimes God's perspective goes against worldly logic. Paul and Barnabas were a great blessing to the church at Antioch. Human nature is to tend to say, okay, well, they're a blessing to us. We're just going to keep them as long as we can. But God said, no, that's not my perspective. My perspective is I've got a mission out here. Nations, cities all over the world that need to hear the gospel. And so I'm saying, set apart these people and send them out to do the work of God. That sometimes goes against our basic inclination, doesn't it? Uh, What an awesome thing when somebody that has maybe grown up in this church, who's who's learned and, and, and has has grown in the Lord and has, has begun to realize their gifts and talents and so forth that God has given them and, and begin to use them in church, God says, okay, time to leave South Clinton and go do the work that I've called you to do. You know, sometimes getting God's perspective means doing something that wouldn't make sense to us ordinarily. Let's send them out to bless somebody else. Uh, Zach was uh, talking to me uh, a couple of weeks ago about what God's doing at his church. And, and whenever I talk to him, he tells me about what he's learned at South Clinton Baptist Church. And now he's ministering in another church. And he told me there's over 100 people in the service that he preaches at Ridgeview Baptist. They've got two different services. Uh, God is using him. Guess what? We have a role in that. We sent him out, right? So sometimes having God's perspective means that we look at the broad picture of what God is doing. What might God do through an individual's life here who's called to the mission field? Would you be willing to say yes to God to go to some place overseas? Let me ask you this. If your child were to say to you, I'm called to go to the mission field. What would your response be? Your grandchild said, I I feel led to go to Africa. What would your response be? 
You know, I was in a, in a missions class one time, and he was describing to us, he says, a lot of times the greatest challenge people who surrender to the mission field experience is the challenge of their own families because they just don't want them to go. It, you know, they don't want them to be away. They don't want to, them to be in a place where they might not get to have contact with them. Uh, and so they, they discourage them from going uh, rather than supporting them. I, I had a man in my, in my last church, his name was Lim Bowman. <clears throat> and uh, he had a daughter who had married a preacher. And uh, I noticed sometimes they weren't able to, to come or didn't, didn't come to different things. And one day he, he was telling me, he was in the hospital, and I was asking, hey, hey, if they come to, come to see you? And he said, he said, well, no, he said, I told them not to. He said, there are souls that need to be won for the kingdom of God. And he said, I told them not to come here. They got things to do and win people for Christ. I told them to stay there and keep doing Jesus' work because I didn't need them to come. <laughs> and so I thought, wow, I was so impressed by that. H how many of us would do that? How many of us would say, okay, I'm not what it's about. It's about Jesus' work. You go do what God has called you to do. And so uh, God can, can so greatly use a heart like that. Because of the heart of the church at Antioch to send out Paul and Barnabas to do the work that God had called them to do, God turned the world upside down. Uh, what an amazing thought. Getting God's perspective, it's important, isn't it? It may not be a, a big written, written letters in the sky or something like that. It may just be a simple uh, sense in your spirit that, hey, I'm supposed to do this in our church. But as we listen to that, we fulfill the purpose of God. Are you open to listen to God? Are you seeking His perspective in your life? Jesus said this. He said, apart from me... You can do nothing. How about with him? All things are possible with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us your directions on how to, to seek your perspective in our lives. And uh, Lord, sometimes we can get distracted by the things of this life, but help us never to forget that you've put us here for a reason. It may be to pray. It may be to encourage someone else, but you have put us here for a reason. And I just pray that you will help us on a regular basis, Lord, to be open, to listen to you, to seek you, and how you would have us to be used.